This was the second day I had watched the beat-up cabin cruiser search a grid pattern over the area, where I had deep-sixed Raven Armand's corpse. I had a good view from the tower of Martina's lighthouse. The inside platform was forty feet above the reef, and an additional five or six feet above the bay waters. From that height, I could look out over the bay, above the breakwater, and beyond to the undulating blue gulf. I heard a hiss and a soft, despairing whimper. Martina, forty feet below in her little studio at the base of the spiral stairway, had fumbled a line, made a false brushstroke, smeared a color. The conical tower amplified her kittenish sounds into a sort of ghostly anguish. The cabin cruiser had appeared a little before noon on Saturday and searched until dusk. It had returned this morning. I recognized the boat. Catcher was thirty-six feet long, old, and poorly maintained. It needed paint, varnish, bronze polish, rust remover, and an engine overhaul. Oily smoke emerged from the engine compartment and exhausts. The boat was owned by the Mackey brothers and docked at a marina south of Bell Harbor. Earl and Kyle Mackey were roughnecks who hustled a chancy living from the sea. They chartered the boat out for diving, deep sea or line fishing, beer parties, anything that brought in an honest or semi-honest dollar. The brothers were known locally as more rascals than crooks. That is, it was understood that they took undersized lobsters poached other men's lobster and crab traps, and disobeyed game laws. And if they should discover a jettisoned bale of marijuana floating at sea, they wouldn't turn it over to the police. I easily recognized the brothers. They were big, bearded, shaggy-haired men suntanned to a color Martina would describe as burnt umber. I was unable to make a sure identification of the third man, My binoculars were powerful, but the cabin cruiser was never less than two miles offshore. What? Martina said. What? I said. Dan? I leaned over the railing and looked down. Martina was seated at her drawing board. She wore a black smock, and her face appeared to buoyantly float through a bright cone of light. What did you say? She asked. Nothing. You said something. No. Oh, I thought... She leaned over the drawing board. Poor Martina was hearing voices now. She sweated over her cartoon panels as Michelangelo must have agonized over the Sistine Chapel, or Van Gogh over his wheat fields. The cabin cruiser made a tight turn and took a new line on the north-south grid. I suppose they were trailing an underwater camera. Mostly they just crisscrossed a big patch of water a couple miles out. But three times today they had anchored, and one of the brothers had put on diving gear and gone down. It was over a hundred feet deep out there. Bad light, silty bottom, vagrant currents. Baby? Marty called. Yes? What the devil have you been doing up there for most of two days? Why? It makes me nervous to have someone lurking overhead. I'm thinking, I said. Why don't you go into the house to think? Think about the bar exams. You came out here to study, so then study instead of lurking. 
Of course, Armand's flesh had long since been picked clean by fish and crabs in the seven months that had elapsed. He was just bones now. Skull here, jawbone over there, pelvic girdle, femurs and fibulas and ribs and scattered vertebrae, all now colonized by various organisms. I said, of his bones are coral made. Those are pearls that were his eyes. Nothing of him that doth fade, but doth suffer a sea change into something new and strange. What? Martina asked. I didn't say anything. You did so. You were reciting verses. No, Martina. Steady now. She was quiet as she determined whether she was annoyed or amused, and then finally she laughed.